and welcome to the Time for the Good News podcast, the place where you'll hear nothing but good news. We are your hosts, Susan and Dan Granfield. So welcome to episode four. This is our final episode of the year. Um, so Dan, I'm wondering, as we get towards the end of the year, how are you feeling? I'm feeling reflective um, about you know the year that we've had, the year that the world has had. It's been a very strange and a different one. But what I've realised from doing this podcast is the amount of fantastic stuff going on out in the world. And unfortunately, our media is portraying the world as a very negative and a, and a bad place. But if you peel back those layers, there's some great stuff going on, great stuff about climate change, great stuff about you know improving the environment around us and the quality of people's lives around us. So I'm hopeful mm-hmm. for 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would say the same same thing. I'm I'm looking forward, um, and and I often find myself quite reflective at this time of year and sort of anticipating what the next year will bring. But if you think back to this time last year, we had no idea what the year was going to look like, and it just reminds us that we've never really got any idea what the year will look like. So, I, I think we've all had to make changes this year that we can choose to take into next year if we want to, and that could actually create some um, some really extraordinary things for us individually, in our families, in our communities, and, and you know, m- bigger than that, globally as well. So reflective and hopeful, I think, would be the two words yeah, to, to sum stuff. it up. Well, that's yeah. good, isn't it? Mm. Absolutely, yeah. And as you said, um, the, the driver for this podcast really was us realising that there is good stuff going on in the world, even while there's this horrible stuff going on as well so as ever please keep sharing your good news stories with us um, and telling us which ones you like from each episode Um, and our Facebook page is Susan and Dan's podcast all one word Susan and Dan's podcast uh, on Facebook so let's get started Dan um, you've got our first story haven't you I have and it's a great story Uh, one of real um, for me one person's um, journey um, to create something really significant in, mm. in, his, in his environment. So it's been sent in to us by one of our listeners as well. It has, yes. It? Yeah, so thank you very much for this. Um, and I'm amazed I haven't heard of it. So mm. it's um, a chap called Jadav Payang in Jorhat, um, in the Assam area of India, who lives on Mujali Island, um, which is the largest river island in the world. Oh, wow. Okay. On the Brahmaputra River. Mm-hmm. So this guy has seen um, the damage the flooding has done to the area. It's covered half the island in water, and it's basically created a, a wasteland around it. Um, so since 1979, every day he's been out planting trees mm. and plants in this wasteland area, mm. and he's created a forest the size of Central Park, a bigger bigger than Central Park, yeah. sorry. And he's done it single-handedly. Single-handedly, one man on his own. 550 hectares of forest. Mm. Central Park, for a point of reference, is 341 hectares. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it was an area of natural beauty, but was slowly being degraded um, by changes in weather, mm. systems, etc. Um, and he has now created a wildlife haven to the point where elephants, rhinoceros, tigers, birds, etc., reside in what was once a wasteland. And he's done mm. that all himself. Mm. He's actually very well known in India. 
Um, but when you listen to him speak on the video and on YouTube, it's fantastic. It's one, one guy living in a small house in Majali Island has made this difference mm. to the environment around him. Yeah. What, you know, amazing. Yeah, and we're going to share the, the YouTube video on our Facebook page because it's really worth watching we, you know, to see what he's done. Literally, his own hands you know, planting these trees. It's quite incredible. Yeah, he's talked about um, how humans consume everything. Yeah. It's got a very interesting attitude. So how humans consume everything and don't give enough back. Mm-hmm. So he's made it his personal journey to mm-hmm. give something back with a huge amount of success mm-hmm. and very little resources, yeah. just his time, energy and effort. Yeah, and, it, and in the video he says that he will keep planting trees until his last breath. Fantastic. I mean, that if that's not a, a purpose in life, I don't know what is. Absolutely. Incredible. Great. And we've got another story that was sent in um, by one of our listeners, um, and this is closer to home. Um, so in, in London, um, there's an organisation called Repowering, and it's all about empowering communities to fund, install and manage their own clean local energy. So the um, listener, Geraldine, who sent this in, um, is actually part of this project. And the, the, they're doing projects in, in all different parts of London, but she, the one she's involved in is North Kensington Community Energy. Um, and they've currently installed solar panels, enough solar panels to power 44 London homes. It's not just about ins- installing solar powers because that's not particular news anymore. But it's this organisation that's founded on the belief of putting people at the heart of the energy system and seeing that as key for fighting um, the climate emergency but also building resilient communities and promoting um, technological innovation. So what they they have done is they they set up these community benefit societies. They're kind of cooperative, which means the projects are run by people who invest and they can invest, you know, a pound. In fact, I think you can become um, part of this without even investing any money. But residents, businesses, councils, anyone who wants to support the scheme um, can, can invest. And if they're a, a shareholder, um, they get to, to vote. They, they have decision-making power um, about what happens within the project. So North Kensington Community Energy um, has recently launched its second share offer. And they are going to be installing enough solar panels on the Westway Sports Centre to save 28 tonnes of CO2 a year a year and create a £42,000 community fund. So that's the thing I love about this story is it is ethical investment, it's an opportunity for communities, it's fighting the climate emergency, and it's really about helping communities to help themselves. Yeah, so it's it's engaging people in energy production as a positive as well. So if you think about energy, energy now has a bit of a negative slant Mm. because of the way it's produced um, but something like this, it actually gives people in their own communities a way of investing and engaging in a, in a green energy source. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Great and idea. they get the benefit of access to this community fund and they get the benefit of um, cleaner, cheaper energy. And there's the community spirit that comes from it as well. Fantastic. Good stuff. So over to you, Dan. Right. So this is from the world of uh, medicine mm-hmm. and discovery. So scientists in London have discovered a common weed um, can stop the growth of breast cancer cells. Wow. Breast cancer, as we know, Mm -hmm. is one of the most common forms of cancer, mainly affecting women. Um, And also, as you know, from a family perspective, of a personal experience of it. So this plant, Arabidopsis, 
a rabid depopsis, Daliana. <laughs> Feel free, anyone, to yeah, correct yeah. Dan on that or, or pronunciation. Or Cress, T-H-A-L-E, Thale Cress, Tail Cress, okay. um, had been uh, dismissed in the past as not being medically useful, but it could be a hero in disguise. Mm. So the leaves of the plant are treated with a plant hormone jasminate, which is a substance discovered in jasmine that boosts plant responses to stress. They then incubate the treated leaves with breast cancer cells. One of the great things is the research found that not only did it stop cancer cells from growing, uh, but it also didn't affect the normal cells. So the significance of that in medicine is that recovery can be quicker and less side effects. Mm -hmm. So Professor Alessandra Devoto from the Department of Biological Sciences at the Royal Holloway University in London, Mm -hmm. is quite obviously a megaboffin. Yep. Um, has been researching this since 2006 and has only just published her findings now along with Dr Amanda Harvey from Brunel in London and Professor Nicholas Smirnoff interesting (laughs) at the University of Exeter basically this whole process bioengineering, biotechnology um, um, of valuable metabolites from plants could be done in the future on an industrial scale and that right. could lead to huge amounts of treatments. Obviously, there's a, a further journey to go to actually make mm-hmm. medicine out of this. But this plant is native to Europe, Asia, and Africa. Mm-hmm. It's all over, basically. Um, and it's edible by humans as well. It's, it can be on a salad. Okay. Salad Hence the crease. That yeah. was something in the yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, salad. Or it can be cooked. Mm-hmm. Um, you may ask why they were studying this plant, if mm-hmm. it was seen as insignificant. It was used, Thalianas are widely used for studying plant sciences such as genetics, evolution, population genetics and plant development because mm-hmm. it's um, uh, the way it's structured. It's got a very pure structure apparently. Um, but they've now discovered it could be even more helpful mm. to us as human rights. And you just wonder what else is right underneath, under our noses that could help exactly. tackle other conditions. and Exactly that. And if you, th- if you think, if we link the stories, think about Forest Man. Yes. Creating an environment where there was once a wasteland mm-hmm. and the plants and trees in there. Mm-hmm. We still do not know what is harnessed in in the you know, in the biological world, in mm-hmm. all these plants everywhere. You know, this plant's been around for a long time, it's been studied for a long time mm-hmm. and they've just discovered this. Yeah. So what else have we have we not discovered? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um fantastic stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. Brilliant. Um, and I want to share now uh, a, a wonderful story of what I think of as, as compassion and humanity. So uh, a London letting agency has turned its attention to helping homeless people find homes. That might not sound all that groundbreaking, but the thing that I loved about this story is that the, the organisation, um, the charity called Rent Start, um, based in Walton-on-Thames, um, is is not just helping people to find houses but they are it's the whole experience for people so previously homeless people if they were to go to a charity to to um to to try and you know get help with accommodation they might have had to you know go down an alley somewhere press a buzzer and it was all just not all that nice but yet someone who had money to spend on renting or buying a house would get you know lovely spacious um, open um, areas to, to sit in and get a coffee and it would all be very nice um, and the, the this estate agency so Helen Watson who's the chief executive 
She says, if you walk into an estate agent, whether you're buying or renting, you're somebody walking into somewhere saying, I need somewhere to live, can you help me? Hmm. Well, that's true of all of us, whether we've got money to spend or not, whether we're currently have a house or whether we're, we're homeless. We all need somewhere to live and we need someone to help us with that. So what this um, charity is doing is creating an environment where people, as, as I can see it, feel um, valued. There's some dignity there. Um, they have an, a good experience. And it's not just about the uh, potential residents. It's also about the ten, uh, the landlords. So there's about 30 private landlords who are now letting directly through this um, this charity. And Rent Start support them by offering guaranteed rent, ongoing tenancy support, grants, etc. Um, as well as providing accommodation for the um, clients. They can provide deposit guarantees. They supply a month's rent in advance and also have starter packs that they give people. And I just I just love this because it is about that compassion, which is seeing somebody suffering and being compelled to do something to help them. And there's just the humanity um, because any one of us could end up homeless. Um, and so instead of judging people for that, it's opening up and saying, look, we want to help you to help yourself. You know? Well, if you think about it, the, the home, homeless people do need an estate agent. But the whole point of this is it's making them feel like a customer rather than a victim. Lovely, yes. Yeah. Good so instead of, instead of going, like you said, going down a back alley, going up some stairs, some surly bloke with a clipboard behind a Perspex screen, um, helping them find somewhere. Instead, they're going somewhere that feels like an actual estate agent. Mm -hmm. They're being looked after like a person, like a human being. And it's also benefiting the landlords. It's enabling yes. the landlords to provide accommodation for people that they would probably worry about providing accommodation for. Yeah. So great charity and a great, mm -hmm. great idea. You know, mm -hmm. homelessness is a big problem mm -hmm. in all of the cities in the UK, to yeah. be honest. Um, you know, especially, for, you know, in Glasgow, mm. you know, it was quite evident uh, when, you know, we both lived and worked there. Yeah. The homelessness was an issue and this kind of thing mm. could really, you know, help people get, you know, homes. And then that leads to having a permanent address, which leads to being able to get a job. Exactly. So again, it's a whole yeah. chain, a whole system of things that come. Uh, uh, yeah. And that just makes me think about so many of the stories we share where you get to see the system yeah. of, of everything. Everything's Absolutely. connected. And yet yeah. we often live quite separately. Great. Okay, Dan, you've got our animal story for this episode. It's a wildlife story. It's wildlife an ecology story. story. It's not just an animal story. Okay. So, beavers. Yeah, beavers have been reintroduced in quite a few places in in the UK. As you know, there's quite a few around here where mm. we live. Um, so, beavers were indigenous to the UK, but were hunted to extinction. Um, but are now, because they've been allowed to, are recolonising the waterways. And a new study measuring their impact is very very positive so a five-year project researching the effects of beavers on the river otter in devon mm. oh, that's confusing it's another, another <laughs> one, um, um, by boffins from the university of exeter mm. so the river otter beaver trial followed the families of beavers that were introduced under license into the wild in devon in 2015. Mm. by 2019 the population increased to at least eight breeding pairs across 13 territories. Okay. So their feeding and engineering behaviours have achieved significant ecological benefits, such as new areas of wetland habitat for amphibians, wildfowl, water voles, 
Um, their activity has helped to increase the diversity of habitat for fish, especially brown trout, minnows and lampreys. Right. So they, the changing, the building of the dams, the changing of the kind of areas has started to create more of an yeah. environment for everything else. Mm. So the, um, they've surveyed, they've looked at the amount of fish in the areas where the beavers are and the areas where they're not. And there's 37% more fish where the beavers are. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So the beavers are creating an environment where it's good for fish to live. Yeah. Probably so they can eat more of them, I guess. Mm. Um, but by doing that, there's more fish. Yeah. Um, but also, and this is amazing, so the flood-prone village of East Budley has seen a reduction in flood risk thanks to six beaver dams uh, that have been constructed by the beavers upstream from the village. Wow. <laughs> so they've also helped the village of East Budley yeah. as well as the um, yeah. wildlife and ecology of the area. Yeah. See, stories like this, for me, are an evidence of the world as a system. Mm. So those things, the beavers were taken out by hunting. We've put them back and they've started to, um, you know, do what they used to do mm. and change you know, rivers and the environment for the better. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard a criticism about when beavers were introduced about they create dams and yeah. damage trees and things like that. Yeah, but they were born to do that. Genetic from years yes. of evolution, they were here doing that before we came along. Yeah. Um, so let's bring them back and let them do it, mm-hmm. um, and let them, you know, have this positive effect on on the environment, mm-hmm. much like control of deer fencing off areas to let natural plants grow mm. in Scotland and things like that we've seen that nature reserve on Ben Laws mm-hmm. so much colour so much variety Beautiful. of plants yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know it's an amazing story yeah yeah. so we, we humans come along and we change the environment all the time yeah. and actually if we look around us again it's looking at nature nature's doing its thing yeah. and there's a yeah. reason for everything that happens in yeah, nature absolutely. yeah absolutely and you've got your one your one guy in yep. India has made all that difference mm-hmm. and 26 beavers, beavers yeah. in Devon yeah. have made all that difference mm-hmm. these are small numbers of mm. individuals yep. making these differences yeah. to the world around us yeah yeah, love that and, and it kind of leads on to our, our final story about you know what individuals do um, as someone who loves conversation and that's partly why we started this podcast but I love conversation love talking to people um, I love what comes out of conversations and that's really what um, Adria, may have said that long, Adria Ballister, um, a 26-year-old uh, from Barcelona, that was a driver for him uh, in 2017. He set up something called Free Conversations. And it all started on a Thursday um, when one summer after a bit of a, one summer's day after a bit of a bad day at work, he went for a walk um walked out of the city and up to a mountain that overlooks the city and while he was there he met Ramon uh, a man in his 80s who was also there wanting to enjoy the views and after a few minutes they got talking to each other and through their conversation um, uh, and they were just talking about you know what was going on in their world and Ramon said uh, the 80 year old said to Adria you know all of these problems that seem so big will seem so tiny when you're 80 years old And it was that moment where Adria realised that um, there was something powerful comes from conversations, how people's perspectives can change through conversations. So he wanted to create a space in Barcelona where people could come and talk whenever they needed to or wanted to. Um, 
And so they'd have this space to go to. But something I think is even more important is that he wanted them to be able to express themselves freely without fear of being judged. Um, and so he started that in 2017 and he's now he's had um, uh, over 1400 conversations. He's now started the free conversations movement. You can go onto his website. Conversations are happening in Dublin, Warsaw, Vienna. And it's not that he's averse to online digital conversations because he encourages people to share their conversations uh, online to kind of create this movement. Um, but for me, it all comes down to the beauty of two people sitting, having a conversation. So he sits there with these two fold out chairs, a little sign that says free conversations. And he'll chat to people in Spanish, English, Catalan, talk about anything that they want to talk about. So the Pearl of Wisdom from Ramon mm-hmm. um, set Andrea on this journey of, of having, he wants to have loads of conversations. Yeah to his benefit and the benefit of others. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then stuff. share those conversations with other people. Yeah. Now, he's created this movement so you can become a partner, you can become a volunteer and bring free conversations to your city. So, yeah. again, we'll put the, the link in the Facebook page if you want to have a look um, at that and it's get involved. It's good to talk. It's good Who to talk, that? somebody that? once said. Was that, was that BT? I it's think it might have been BT, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and it's been good to talk to you, Dan. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. (laughs) So that's our final episode for the year. Um, We will definitely be back next year with more good news stories. So in the meantime, we wish you health and happiness over the festive period.